Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories, and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex. Access our monthly newsletter with subscriber only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A T O Z O F S E X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is C, and C is for consent. Consent is an issue that has always been tricky when talking about sexual activity. Joining me today is Shula Melamed, who is a relationship and wellness coach located in New York City. She's been coaching individuals, couples, and groups on topics of intimacy, sexuality, healthy relationships, social skills, and adhering to health and wellness programs. In addition to working with her clients, she's also done research on the popularity of pole dancing classes, has worked as an ethnographer of youth subcultures in New York City, on public health research on drug use and adherence to HIV medication, and as a sexual health advisor for the sex-positive underwear line, Otto. Shula, thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So where shall we start with this really tricky topic? Well, consent, it's like something that that, um, we talk about a lot. And then one of these things that the more we talk about it, the less we seem to know about it, right? (laughs) Or less we seem to know how to go about it. It's one of those things that intellectually makes sense, right? Um, The consent is to, to... to uh, give people permission or or to to be up for something, right? To be up for doing something. It's it's something that, um, in order to make anything happen, one would think that that's that's a big part of it, right? <laughs> I consent to this. I I want to do this. Um, but when we talk, we end up talking about it around sexuality. People get a little bit nervous. It, it, it a lot of it is like talked about in a way of like protecting oneself, which it is. Um, and a lot of it ends up becoming like a conversation about negotiation of boundaries. So I think we can't really talk about consent until we talk about communication and boundaries. But well, I, th- um, I think you're right. You know, I think that's one of the, the most difficult things about this topic is um, that most people don't think about the idea of negotiating sex. They don't mm-hmm. think about the idea of talking about sex before they have sex, unless with mm-hmm. the exception of people who are in the kink and BDSM communities tend to think about negotiation before they have sex, talk before they have sex. Um, mm-hmm. And some people in the LGBTQ plus community will also talk more before sex. Your average heterosexual couple does not talk before sex. Mm-hmm. The safe mm-hmm. sex conversation can be as long as um, 
I've got a condom. You know, it, it right. often it, it it's awkward. It's difficult. I spend a lot of time talking with people about this and even really well-educated people mm-hmm. have difficulty with this issue. Um, and when it comes up, of course, is when somebody feels their consent has been violated. Right. It's usually when it's been, it's too late in a way. I mean, not mm-hmm. that it's too late, like there's no point of return, but it's when a boundary has been crossed when a person is like, oh, I didn't know I had that boundary or I wasn't sure what was going on. And, and yeah, so it's, it's something that I feel that it, that is a common thing where it's something has been crossed and then the topic comes up. Um, but, uh, you know, it's from one side, the person who is feeling like maybe a boundary has been crossed. And then there's the other person who, is maybe more agentic in the in the whole um, interaction, right? In the, the physical interaction. And they're like, well, I didn't read the sign. So it's like a lot of people not knowing what's going on, not reading each other's body language or not knowing, you know, exactly what is going on in the moment and why aren't we having conversations about this beforehand and why don't we have a good sense of it? Have you ever seen this? Um, it's a British, it was a British, uh, video about like consent and tea. Oh yeah, no, it's my favorite video. I recommend that to everybody, every educator that I speak to. Um, anytime this topic comes up, I love that video. So for those of you who are listening, um, it is, if you put in your browser cup of tea video, you will get Mm -hmm. one of many links to this video. Um, there's the British version. There's an American version. Now there are some with swearing and some without, um, mm-hmm. But it is it gives the analogy of consent to a cup to, to sex as to a cup of tea. And so mm-hmm. they start out with saying, you know, if you want to um, if somebody comes over to your house and you want to offer them a cup of tea, you say, would you like a cup of tea? And they say, yes, I would love a cup of tea. And off you go and you make the tea and you bring it back in and you say, here's your cup of tea. And now they don't fancy it. They say, well, actually, I don't really feel like that right now. You do not pour the tea down their throat. Right, right. And just because I wanted tea last week doesn't mean I want it right now. Now, and just, yeah. And so it's this whole analogy spread out to illustrate the fact that consent is a dynamic concept. Right. So consent is about a person, two people agreeing to what will go on. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen like hyper consent, things that really make me want to scream where they have, you should be asking before you kiss the person, after you kiss the person, before you move your arm, after you move your arm, is it okay if I touch you here? Is it okay if I touch you here? Is it okay if I touch you here? And yeah, yeah. There's like famous, you know, like a Dave Chappelle show. He did the whole thing where it's like, you have to sign off on each sexual act. And it's, it's something that, you know, people can make fun of, but it's just shows, it goes to show like how poor we are at, at communicating these things. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, I mean, that's exactly what I was going to ask. I mean, you know, that's that whole thing about signing off and everything. And unfortunately, I mean, we make jokes about it, but that means we don't actually talk about what do you really need to do? What is it that you really need to communicate? What do you need to know about consent? So what are the things you think are most important in terms of establishing boundaries? I think, you know, having a sense, the the thing that's great about sex and sexuality and, and bringing other 
people's sexual energy in your space and exploring is that you discover things about yourself that you enjoy, right, with, with the energy of another person. But I think it's really good to have a solid sense of what turns you on and what you like yourself and what you're up for. I always tell people, you know, in order to push your boundaries and have like fun with them as far as, you know, what you're up for, what you'd like to do, what you'd like to try, it, it's a good sense to know where they are, right? And in, in general. So, and it's good to know what you're curious about and what is erotic to you and what turns you on and what you're open to. So I think having a good sense of that um, for yourself is, is very important, is, is the, first, the first step. Um, and also um, being open to what another person's um, desires might be as well. So um, I think the first step is really knowing where, where your, your boundaries are. So yeah, that, so you, does that you make can't really consent. Yeah, because you can't. I guess what you're saying is you can't really have a conversation about consent if you don't know where your boundaries are, what your limits are, what you're willing, to, what you're willing to even think about doing, and what you're not. It becomes mm -hmm. really hard yeah. to have that discussion if you don't know something about yourself. Right. Yes. Yes. So having having a good sense, and then being able to kind of be confronted with the you know another person being aroused by them, being excited to explore, but not losing, you know, not having an overwhelming feeling of just wanting to please them to the point where you might not be totally comfortable with it or, you know, having to get, you know, there, there's also complications of just being uh, also like being in control of yourself, like whether it's like if you consume like alcohol or anything, any other substances that might make it harder for you to to really advocate for yourself just being aware of that and then as the other person you know being aware that you might be dealing with somebody who's not totally doesn't totally have all of their faculties with them so there's there's a lot of stuff that, that comes up there but I think um, you know communication and knowing what you want and knowing how to communicate it, which is another big problem we have. I think like another C could be even like communication about, about sexuality and what one wants in that, in that realm is, is a huge thing. Could be a huge topic for, for you to cover. I think that's when I end up covering over, um, over many weeks. Um, yeah. I've got another podcast starting called sex spoken here, which is um, one in which I'm spending more time on one particular topic and doing it over a number of weeks and interviewing people and, 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 and communication is definitely one of the topics that's going to be visited and revisited because I think you're right. I mean, at first you need to know what, what, what's okay for you, or at least have mm -hmm. a general idea of where you don't want to go and where you will mm -hmm. go. And then you all, mm -hmm. then you need to be able to talk to somebody about it. Um, but there was one thing you brought up there that's, I think is really important, which often gets left off the consent conversations but thankfully mm -hmm. isn't left out of the vi video, which is that some people cannot give consent. Mm -hmm. If you are yeah. under the influence of a substance, you may not actually legally be able to consent. Now people say, well, so what about legal issue? Well, it's actually quite important. Mm -hmm. if somebody says, yes, I want to do this new thing that they've never done before. And they are drunk as a skunk. Mm hmm you really shouldn't proceed because they can't give you consent for that when they're in that condition because they're not able to think about all of the consequences of their actions. 
Yes, and and it's one of those things where um, in that yeah in that video, it's like if somebody's like passed out, do not pour the tea down their throat, and yes. and it's true. If somebody is not and and if you're as messed up as the other person is, like I, I think you can still tell like somebody is is incapacitated, somebody is passed out, somebody is not reacting to you somebody is not responding in any way that's not that doesn't mean that it's okay you know that doesn't mean that that, yeah, that go it's ahead okay and have sex right because yeah, yes. yeah yeah so that's that's something that's that's really um that's really important and that people if that should be part of the conversation because that's something to look out for so we don't need contracts and all of these other things if we're sensitive to what our partner is is saying or doing. But when you live in a society or a culture where there's all of these mixed messages about sex and what you should want and what you should not want, you have to kind of become like a not like a consent detective, but you know you need to figure out like how does this person communicate their desires and how can I best understand that and how can I communicate my desires without imposing it on them. So, yeah. so you know maybe you know it's not sexy to like go <laughs> give them a sheet of paper and have them go through a list, but you know, if you see that somebody is leaning towards you, they're open to, let's just say like the first point of contact, you know, for, for a, a kiss, you know, like not grabbing someone's butt right away and just, you know, open mouth kissing them, but, you know, trying to, to build up to, build up to it and, and see how that person reacts. And if you find that you have somebody who is more of a talker, right. Who's like, will you kiss me? Will you touch me here? Will you, I really feels good when you do that. Then you know that this is the way that you're going to get that moment by moment consent, right? Um, or that moment by moment enthusiastic consent. Mm -hmm. um, but if the person's not as much of a, you know, talker, maybe saying like, oh, I'd really like for you to do this to me to see what their reaction is, right? And maybe they'll, that will free them to, to also communicate that. And, and I mean, I know when we say it's not sexy to do contracts and to have, you know, a piece of paper and stuff, but of course, depending on what it is you're contracting to do, uh, right. you know, like if you're, if people who are in the BDSM community spend a lot more time with consent. Right. Why? Because if I'm going to be um, allowing somebody to do something that could physically harm me, I need to be really clear about whether or not that's acceptable, uh, what mm -hmm. are the limits mm -hmm. um, that need to be observed if somebody's mm -hmm. going to do something that could potentially physically harm me? So um, not only to protect me and make sure that somebody doesn't do something that I don't want or um, I find frightening or is a level of harm I don't want to go to, um, mm -hmm. but also to protect the person who's deciding to do this. So that they know that they have explicit consent from me to do whatever. Um, yes. and, and I think, you know, in, in long-term relationships with power exchange, there's often very detailed discussions about what it means to have this relationship. What does this power exchange mean? Does it, you know, how do you end the relationship? If you want to end the relationship, um, do I need to ask for consent for anything within the, from it within the relationship? Because in some of these relationships, 
that negotiation and that long period of negotiation takes the place of ever having to ask another question about, do you mind? Right. It's kind of like a blanket consent. You get a blanket yeah. consent from that, that person. And I think that especially um, for individuals who are, are in relationships, um, BDSM relationships or, or kink relationships, there is an understanding that there is a language around what um, what goes on. There is There are agreements and it's it's kind of a in my understanding, it's like a lifestyle that's that's around or a sexual orientation or a um, you know uh, preference that is around that kind of understanding of what's going on and and how you're pushing boundaries constantly and that it's important to talk about them and 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 that might seem extreme to some people, right? And and maybe that's why there needs to be a conversation about it. But I mean, it goes down to even relationships that are are not kinky or not BDSM, right? Well, yeah, people maybe. who don't have this relationship don't don't discuss it in that way. Right. And that and that's the thing. It's like, I mean, the reason that I'm going to have a discussion with somebody is because I might be consenting for somebody to um, flog me, for example. And if I'm consenting for that, I need to have a conversation about um, areas of my body you need to avoid. Yeah. Right. Things that mm-hmm. you need to, for example, one should always avoid the kidneys. Right. It's yeah. not going to beat somebody up on the kidneys. It's it's potentially very dangerous. Um, but that's something you would cover in a discussion anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, OK, I actually have a problem with this part of my shoulder. So mm-hmm. you need to avoid doing anything that's going to um, maneuver that part of my shoulder in an extreme position and leave it there for any period of time. Um, I don't do um you know, you might have a discussion about I don't do well with bondage or I do do well with bondage, but only this type. And it's it's these sorts of things that are acknowledging that the body, um, there are things that um, people like and dislike. So mm-hmm. you'll be covering those things, too, not just dangerous things, but, right. you know, um, uh, anal sex or it's the one that comes to mind because it's the one that's most often, I think, under discussion, right? So maybe, you know, I, I don't, I'm not into anal sex or that's a hard limit for me. So there's a, a whole set of discussions that happen before people get into bed a lot of the mm-hmm. time. I mean, mm-hmm. there are times, of course, that people do a quick, quick and dirty consent and, and get involved in something. But if you're talking about having any kind of um, an ongoing relationship, you tend to talk about limits and things like this. Now, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that that's worth taking outside of the kink and BDSM world and putting it squarely in vanilla situations because it yes. solves the problems that come up when people yeah. don't have the conversation. Yes. And I think it's, it's, it comes down to um, communicating desires and, and not having any shame around that yeah. um, or communicating limits and not having any shame around that. Okay. And uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, just when you uh, initiate a, a relationship with another person, it, there's nothing but possibility, right, at the, at the top of it, right? And and that's that's the thing that's so exciting. And um, but then, you know, there's there has to be a curiosity of what the other person would like, and and are you up for it? Are you up for expanding your horizons in some ways, or are there some hard limits, as you said? But um, you know in the moment also just really listening to each other and not letting your own self-consciousness around expressing your desires or expressing your boundaries kind of create a confusing situation. So, you know, some ways of avoiding that is, you know, try not to 
to, you know, especially when it's a partner that you don't know that well, try not to just assume anything right away. You know, you get caught up in, in the heat of the moment. You, you are feeling super passionate. Don't forget to check in. You don't know this person that well. Or if, even if it's somebody that you've been in a relationship for a long time, you know, maybe they're not up for it or certain things at the time. So just trying to, to be present. And I feel like a lot of times, especially now, like, you know, the people always talk about this hookup culture and people are hooking up more than they used to and all that other stuff, which, you know, I think that there's been some, some media about it that's very alarmist and then some that's just more, I, you know, I think it's, um, it, I think it is what it is, you know, but if people are meeting each other, you have more opportunities to meet people. But um, just to, to know that like when, when you're doing that, like try to, you know, not have so much to drink. Try not to try to to be really present with that other person forever for however long that interaction is going to last. When you hook up with that person, to be present for it the whole time, so you can get what you want out of it, and and they can get what they and everybody leaves happy. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm amused by the idea that you know this is a sudden new thing. I mean, certainly if you're my age, then you remember what it was like before HIV. Mm-hmm. And we had quite a hookup culture then too, <laughs> you know. Right. And in fact, for many people, that was one of the things that 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 turned against them because we had no idea that there was this incredible killer out there, and and so people weren't safe when they hooked up. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of the alarmist things that one of the alarming things now is that there there are there is a percentage of the population, um, mostly younger, mostly who weren't alive then. Um, who are hooking up and, and not being safe now. And that's, you know, it's insane. If you're going to hook up, go ahead, hook up, but do it safely. Um, right. And so it's even having that conversation. It's even being able to have that conversation. Like, gee, you're really hot. Yeah. I really want to get it on, but I don't get it on with somebody who's not wearing a condom. Right. And, and that's not, that kind of thing shouldn't be the beginning of a negotiation. That should just be a hard boundary. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. We shouldn't be negotiating whether or not whether or not we're having safe sex. Right, that should be something that is a a hard boundary if you are just out of you know respect for your own body and everything else. I mean, I hate to say you should, you should, you should, but just you know have a background in public health and like sexual. Yeah, I hear that. I understand. Feel irresponsible unless you know you have an extended conversation with a person and you understand that you're both you know tested and all of that jazz but you know if you're just hooking up with somebody better safe than better safe than not right so um what do you think the difference between like would you say like back in the day pre-aids like consent how did that go down or or nobody was really i mean because there was still obviously people with boundaries and everything else do you think that the whole um culture around consent has changed a lot since then and and you know save of like all of the um I do. I do. I mean, I do think we talk about it more. Um, I think we talk about date rape more. I don't think date rape happens more. I think there was loads and loads and loads of date rape going on at the time. Um, um, when I was coming up, um, I think there were loads of confusing situations, you know, um, at that time, um, it, it, rape and marriage didn't exist, for example. And so right. you know, there was all of that sort of, um, all of that issue come up where people talk about, do, you know, you don't, you know, your husband doesn't need to ask for consent, but of course that's not true. Um, right. and so, um, 
I think we talk about it more now, Mm -hmm. but I think people negotiated boundaries then in different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and the same issues arose. Mm -hmm. Um, The same issues arose and, you know, people being um, either drunk or or using other drugs and finding themselves um, in a situation where um, they did something they didn't really want to do. Right. Because they were a little bit out of it. Um, and somebody said, Ooh, let's try this. And they were having fun and they didn't want to, you know, they didn't want the encounter to end. And because they didn't want the encounter to end, they, they did something, um, to please their partner that, that actually they really didn't want to do. And I, I think we just talk about it much more clearly now than we mm-hmm. did then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I don't think it's a bigger problem. I think mm-hmm. that's a myth. I think people just like people romanticize the fifties and for how the 50s. And I think, you know, people romanticize periods. I think we had just as yeah. many issues around it. Right. So if I was like thinking about like, okay, so how, you know, if you know that you would not like, it's easier to say no to something and then say yes. Right. Um, so you could say like, I'm not sure I want to do this or, you know, if somebody, says that they want to try something that you're not really that sure about or that you need to like warm up to it. It's better to say, I need a moment or can we think about that? Or can we try this a little bit later? Because you can always turn, turn the no into a yes. Going from yes to no is absolutely valid. You should be able to do it. Even if you wanted tea last week or even five minutes ago, you should be able to <laughs> say no to tea. <laughs> I think you should attach the video, the video to the, the um, podcast description so people can see it. Um, but, um, you know, it's better to err on the side of if you're not sure about it, not like going for it. And if you feel in the moment when you're progressing or whenever the action's progressing that you would like to try it, you know, then 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 go for it. I'm kind of funny on that one. I actually think that um, we have so much, so many times in in, cult, in our culture where we say no, and then and then if people push, we say yes, and that that's been so much of a standard thing in terms mm-hmm. of women have been taught to say no, 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 and then no eventually no. means yes. That, yeah, scripted refusal, scripted refusal to call it. Yeah, so I think that um, if you're unsure, then you should say no and not try at that time. You know, if you're if okay. you're unsure that you should say, you know what, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this next week. Right. Think about mm-hmm. it. But today, right here, right in the moment, it doesn't feel comfortable for me. I don't want to do that. And that you should mm-hmm. stick to that. Because okay. if you start giving mixed messages, you can find yourself in a situation where the where assumptions get made. Well, the last time mm-hmm. you said no, you you were willing if I pushed you a little bit. When I pushed you a little bit, you let me do it. And, right. And, yeah. And I think women do that much more than men do. Women, like if they're pushed a bit, will will be will let them will let somebody go further. Um, and the problem with that is, is that the message that we're giving is that all, that all we need is a bit of a push. Right. Yeah. And I what I meant by that was kind of like not you know in your own mind having that conversation saying yeah. no, and then in your own mind yeah. being like I have the right to change my mind like just because I say no to this now doesn't mean that I won't say yes to it later. Or maybe as I get more comfortable with this person, I might be up for it. But, um, and I think it's also like both partners' jobs to 
just try to, to read the other person. And if you're not feeling comfortable reading the other person, why are you, what, what are you really getting out of this interaction? You know, what, well, that, what is it? That that's an interesting, that's an interesting question because I do think that a lot of people don't bother to read their partners. They're not, they're not interested in it. And mm-hmm. it, I think that that's unfortunate because I don't bother to have sex with somebody else unless I do want to read them because I want the interaction to be between us. Mm-hmm. If I want sex yeah. on my own, I have sex on my own. Then I don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. No problem with that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I do think that, um, and you know, there's, there's significant research still that young women are not thinking about their own pleasure. They're not taught to think about this. They're still looking to the man's pleasure. Um, Absolutely. In heterosexual relationships. And because of that, they don't really have a clue what they want, who they are. They, they act in accordance with what their partner does, mm-hmm. their partner wants. Um, and that young men, many are not being schooled to actually check and see what these women that they're having sex with would like. There's still very much that very old pattern of sex is for the men not for not for women which is i think incredibly sad and horrible yeah and there's the orgasm gap and not that you know orgasms is everything of course you know we don't want to think but you know it is it's a lot of it um but um a lot of that comes from yeah not not asking you know women not asking for what they want or being very instructive in the situation and um men who might be very interested in pleasing their partner, but you know, if a woman either, you know, I speak to women who they like fake their orgasms or they just, you know, try to get through it. And, and, um, and the guys are like, well, I would love to know what pleases, you know, pleases my partner, but you know, she doesn't tell me. And then of course, you know, if you're already in there, you know, you better you know just go for it. Right. So yeah. it's like the kind of thing where, where, um, you know, there's a big, it's like, just like a cycle of, of, um, disservice, you know? And then there's like the other extreme of it, which is just the entitlement to female bodies. Right. And just thinking yeah. like, well, you know, I took her out to dinner and I did all this other stuff. So, you know, I deserve sex and, and in a way, um, you know, women thinking, well, you know, he did all this stuff and now it's a third date. So, you know, we should have sex this is instead what of being like, yeah, this is what we give. This is a, you know, this is the exchange. And, um, even if the woman makes, you know, more money or whatever, or as much money, it's a similar thing. So just kind of like, you know, changing the conversation around that and, and turning it into like, well, is there desire there to begin with? Right. And for me, what's really interesting is, is if you want to use your body as a commodity, I would say to you, use your body as a commodity, recognize that's what you're doing, make it a conscious Mm -hmm. choice, have a look at the impact on yourself. And that, that quite shocks people when I say that, but, but it's sort of like, don't do it under, don't do it underground. Don't use your body as a commodity that way where you're not actually fully acknowledging it yourself and you're not actually looking at it. You know, Mm -hmm. don't don't sort of feel pushed into it. Well, now he gets this because this is the exchange. Mm -hmm. Some women, you know, it's just like some women marry for money. Mm-hmm. And they are giving their body and sex for money. That's what they're choosing to do. And they're very clear about it. I have less mm-hmm. trouble with women who are really clear that that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. As opposed mm-hmm. to women who just go along with the way that, you know, they've kind of feel like they've been schooled. It's supposed to be And in the first date we kiss the second date. This is what we do in the third date. Like, no, don't do it that way. Actually be really clear about what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. And, 
what you said about, you know, the whole idea of he would love to help her reach orgasm if she would just tell him what it is she needs. You know, you have one group of women who don't know what they need. The other group of women who have decided to fake it and now can't figure out how to back off from that. Mm-hmm. So they've been faking yeah. it for the first six months of the relationship. And now they don't feel like they can say because then right. they have to admit that they've been faking it. And right. what's that going to be like? I mean, some of this stuff would really be dealt well with if people actually didn't expect to have sex so quickly. Right. Right. Yeah. Or if they, if they just did, they didn't put on a performance. Right. And it's more of um, a mutual um, understanding or mutual experience of, of pleasure. Right. And, and of exploration and, you know, feeling everything moment by moment and not just trying to get to the, to the, the main event for, I guess, for, you know, heterosexual couples, it's penetration, right? And, and like, you know, sex. So um, that kind of sex. So, you know, what, what's the rush to just like plunge into it and like get it, it's like almost get it over with. And now we can like diffuse that tension and we can do everything else. You know, why not build it up a little bit? Well, yeah. More. And, and I think, and I think when people do, then consent becomes, a dynamic issue again, and it's much easier and it's much, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a flow of conversation. It's a flow of experience. There's less sense of feeling like um, you're pushed into a thing that you don't want to do. And you're pushed in a position there where you don't want to be. I mean, look at the moment, we've got um, a whole lot of people in politics who believe that they have don't need consent to touch women's bodies. It's it's an incredibly amazing, shocking thing for me to sit and watch that these people actually believe that they can just touch who they like. And the consent conversation actually starts there before you're even talking about whether or not we're having sex, which is one of the reasons why I think this is such an important topic, because we're not, you know, we're talking about consent to sex, right? We're Mm. talking about people who actually want to be with each other talking about consent and what they want to do with each other. Right. But there's, a bigger is, t- but there's a wider issue, which is, this is my body. I own this. Nobody else owns this. Unless I give them rights to my body, they don't have them. And mm-hmm. that's about consent and boundaries. And, and, and that's the thing that needs to be taught from, I mean, you first, in, in my school of sex ed, you first start talking to kids about that by around age three which is an right. understanding that their body is theirs and, and nobody has a right to touch them without their right. permission. And you start there that young and that uh, it's like all of American society needs to be retrained on this. I think. Hmm. Yeah. I always do the, the kind of thing with my friends, um, kids and everything. If I meet like a child and they're like, give Shula a kiss or give her a hug. I'm like, only if you want to. You don't have to do anything you don't want to. If you want to shake my hand, if you want to do this, but if you think I'm adorable and you want to give me a hug, like, you know, sure. But like, I, I don't believe in, I believe in socializing kids and, and, you know, helping them with manners and all that other stuff. But I don't think you should like force them to like do anything they yeah, don't no, want I, to. I do remember that. I remember when we were little, you know, it was like, you know, kiss your horrible great aunt. you know whatever i mean there was always that the the thing of this kind of forced physical contact right yeah 
And then it gets confusing because it's like if there's older people, you think that, okay, then an older person is just a person that I should let hold me or hug me or take me. And there are some and there are some that can, there's some that can't, right? And then I think a lot of times like um, women or little girls, then, you know, once you go to adolescence, it's like you have to be very vigilant about your body and be very careful. And there are all these threats all over the place, which makes the world like kind of a, you know, a scary place for us. Um, yeah. And then throughout like you know just media and just experiences and walking down the street and getting cat calling you're like oh, does my body belong to me yeah. you know and then there are all these rules and dating supposedly you know alleged rules and traditional ways of being a woman and a man and dating each other that make you think okay does my body belong to me or is it something that I have to just um you know, if the laws are trying to, you know, it goes all, all the way up to the politics, as you were saying. Yeah. And you know? I mean, for me, one of the things that I think is so difficult is that if you don't have a sense that, that you do have rights to this. Yes. Then it's yeah. very difficult to give consent or yeah. deny consent because your, your sense is that, that there's somehow somebody else has more of a say. Yes. And that makes and it, it hard, more difficult. And then you get situations where two types of situations. One is with a woman who doesn't give consent and is forced. It's a date rape, for example, mm -hmm. and then doesn't right. has real difficulty saying that's what happened. And it becomes right. a huge issue in terms of trying to report it or the opposite where somebody does give consent and then with withdraws it at the last second or doesn't mm -hmm. withdraw it, but wishes they had, and then says, well, I didn't give consent. And you've mm -hmm. got some confused man on the other side going, what the hell happened? And that's mm -hmm. because there isn't that, you know, if you've got a firm sense that your body is your own, it's much easier to have this conversation. If you don't, it becomes really difficult. Yeah, and I guess that that would be the very first boundary, right? the first boundary that we would draw and outside of what is legislated, because obviously uh, there are, there are people who are fighting to, to protect legislation, which would not give women the rights to their own body, which is so wild and, and crazy. Um, but even before you hit that, the reality and the shock of that, you know, just knowing that this is my body, I get to do whatever I want with it, or I, get to invite who, whomever I prefer and would like to, to come near my body and just having that sense for yourself, you know, and what, what goes on in the world and negotiating, navigating that and negotiating that, just having a true sense of yourself and being like, you know what, this is me. This is my body. It, it is for my purposes, whatever, however I want to use it. And, um, and not just like really blending with the other person, exactly. the other party that wants to, to, to impose anything on you, be it the government or, or a partner or a stranger on the street, right? So that's the first boundary we need to draw, which is, this is amazing talking through this with you because that's like one of the, like just being able to verbalize that or the way that you verbalize it is, is incredible. Thank you. I mean, it, because I don't think we talk about this. I mean, we don't think about, well, this is the first, what did you learn when you were a child? Mm -hmm. Now, I did not learn that my body was my own. And I yeah. paid a price for not learning that. I had to learn that when I was much older. Yeah. And I paid a big price for not having learned that. And it's, it's you know, people, there are loads of reasons why people don't learn that. Um, and 
some of them are, are very obvious reasons. Like if somebody was right. physically sexually abused, then they won't learn that right. their body is their own. But there are other much softer ways of not learning it. For example, where there's no privacy when privacy is asked for. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. your household is a come and go household and everybody's naked, for example. And then you get to a certain age and you don't want people to come in and see you naked. And if people can't, parents and brothers and sisters can't acknowledge that boundary, that's an, that's a, that's a statement that your body doesn't belong right. to yourself. And so if you learn that in, in even some of the soft ways, it, it it's a minefield trying to negotiate where you stop mm-hmm. 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 and what that boundary is where you can say, actually, no, I want you out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't learn that, then you don't draw the boundary line when people are imposing quick enough. And so you mm-hmm. become an easy target because right. y- you will allow somebody closer, somebody who really knows where their boundary is and that, that their body is their own and nobody has a right to it much mm-hmm. more quickly will react to somebody who's imposing. Yeah. They're a little bit more, their boundaries are a little bit more amorphous. They're a little bit more, um, they can, it's, they can become just whatever the other person wants. them. Well, to and, be. And, and also it's kind of like, well, is this, is this okay? Is this not okay? I'm not sure. And so in just that period of time, Predators see that and and love it because it, they're easier targets. It's just easier to pick you off if you can't put that line really quickly. Why fight yeah. to get in over there against somebody who's got a wall built when somebody else has like you know you know a a, a, a mutable fence there that you can just tear apart much easier. Right, and that's that's the sad reason why a lot of people who are who have been violated have multiple violations because. Exactly of that, that, um, that sense of that the predator knows, you know, the predator knows it's prey and, and the prey kind of goes into the state that, that, that they were in when, when all this. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that if you, if you learn, if you have, if you usually takes therapy, but if you learn how to reinstate that and how to instate it clearly, then that stops happening. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's a really clear difference. Um, Mm -hmm. and and nobody likes to talk about this because it sounds like you're saying that, well, the victim is at fault. They're not, they're not at fault. That's not what being said. What, what I'm saying is, is that predators are good at their job. That's yeah. their job, right? And so if you yeah. want to fight off a predator, you need to be good at your job too. Right. And if you want to be, um, you know, a survivor and, and not a victim, you know, it's like the reframing of that and understanding, you know, that, it wasn't, you know, that's why getting rid of shame is so important, releasing any shame around anything that, that happens um, in that area of your life and being like, I learned from this. I know this. I know that my boundaries are a little bit um, less strong because I experienced this thing. But a lot of people go through life not even wanting to confront no, the things that happened to them. Yeah. And even on, on a much lesser scale than that, you know, maybe talking about conditioning of women about their sexuality. Yeah. You know, if you get all these messages from, you know, um, organized religion and popular culture and, you know, traditional family, <laughs> traditional family things or, or um, uh, the government, you know, you have to fight against that too. Be like, okay, I, I have to understand that all of these things influence the way that I think or think I th- can think about my body or talk about my body or ask for things. 
but it's not the, the actual truth. I'm a, I'm a person, I'm a human being. I'm somebody who has worth and, and nobody should violate me. There's just no, there's nothing about that. That's okay. So just building that. Yeah. And so, I mean, we're running out of time, which is unfortunate because I think we could talk about this topic for a lot longer. I know, and I think, I know. And well, what I'll do is I'll invite you back because I'll, I'll talk about it on, on the other podcast in, in a kind of a different way and invite you back okay. to more. Um, but I think, you know, I think we get to this bottom line, which is number one, wh- where are you before right. we even get to consent? Well, where, where are my boundaries? Know what my right. boundaries are, know what I want, know what I don't want, know what I'm mm-hmm. not sure about. Right. Before we even get to that. And then number two, communicate. <laughs> And be able practice communicating about these things, mm-hmm. and then we can talk about consent. Yeah, yeah, and not not rushing, and also showing the other person how you would like to be treated as well. Being like, is this okay? Am I? Is, do you like this? Does this feel good? Or you know, being present so they they also know that they have to be present. Yep. Brilliant. Um, yeah. and where can people find you? Um, you can find me um, on uh, on Twitter at Shula Melamed, um, at um, on my website www.shulamelamed.com, S-H-U-L-A-M-E-L-A-M-E-D, um, and on Facebook. And um, you can drop me a message from my website if you have any questions about coaching or workshops or um, anything at all. And and I'd love to hear from you. Just um, tell me that A to Z of sex. Or A to Z of sex, I'm sorry. Both. <laughs> um, and it's always a pleasure talking to you, Dr. Lori. Thank you. Um, thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of sex. Write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at A to Z of That's A T O Z O F S E X dot com. And visit both websites, www.a to Z of and www.the-intimacy-coach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, types of sexual relationships, and to learn to sizzle and create that ideal lasting intimate relationship. For a three 30-minute session with me, head over to www.adazofsex.com and click on the button that says book now. Please join me next week when the letter will be D for dating and sex. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.